morning I'd like to turn to Matthew chapter 24. And as we turn there, think of the words of Jesus in Matthew 24. He said, learn the parable of the fig tree. Jesus gave us a parable, and it was about a fig tree. You know, and I have a couple of fig trees, most of us know, I have a couple of fig trees out back, and in the whole wintertime they're dormant, and they have no leaves on them, and they're wrapped up in burlap and a, burlap and a tarp and all that kind of stuff. And then in the springtime, in the beginning of April, you unwrap all this stuff, and there's that bare tree. Not a leaf or a shoot on it. And for the whole month of April, at least in this area, you don't see any signs of life till the end of April, beginning of May, and then you begin to see these little shoots. Jesus said to learn what that means concerning the signs of His coming. He said when you begin to see the shoots of the, of the, of the leaves begin to open, He says you know that summer is near. He says in the same way, when you begin to see the signs of His coming, He says know that summer is near. He says know that His coming is near. Jesus gave certain signs of His coming that we read in Matthew chapter 24. He talks about how there will be wars and the rumors and the fears of war. That there will be earthquakes in many places and we see earthquakes all over the place. And he said that there will be famines. And we have whole continents of people. The African continent and other places in Asia where people Go to bed hungry. People are lost to starvation. That's been happening for quite a while. But the threat of it growing and growing is on the horizon. Jesus talked about the sign of pestilence. Diseases, plagues, whatever you want to call them, on the horizon. Jesus also said, in Luke, he says that it would be like the days of Noah. He said, as we look there, in in chapter 24, verse 36, But of that day and hour no one knows, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. One of the uh, the other ones, I think it's in either Luke or Mark, he says, not even the Son. He said, not the angels of heaven, not the Son, but the Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving marriage, until the day that Noah entered the ark. And they did not know until the flood came and took them all the way, so will the coming of the Son of Man be. Then two men will be in the field, one will be taken, the other left behind. Two women will be grinding at the mill, one will be taken, and the other left. Watch therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord will come. So in this passage, Jesus says that there will be things that will be happening in the world that will be signposts to tell us it's getting close. And he said to watch, because it's getting close. 
And if you look in the book of Genesis to the days of Noah and what it was like at the time of Noah, it says it was a time of great violence. There was violence in the earth. And there was all kinds of trouble. To the point it says that God regretted that he made man. That he made man. It was, it was a horrible time. To the point where only eight people survived the judgment that God brought by water. That's how wicked the wickedness had spread in the earth. A, vi- a time of violence and turmoil. And we see violence today on an unprecedented level. He also says in Luke 21 that it was, or Luke 17, 18, somewhere in there, he said that it was also be like the days of Lot and of Sodom and Gomorrah. And he says that Sodom and Gomorrah wasn't destroyed until Lot and his family were removed. The angels told Lot, we can't do anything until you leave. They told him, hurry up and leave, but we can't do anything until you go. And when they left, then judgment fell. And we know what it was like, as we read in Genesis, what the days of Lot were like. It was a time, again, of violence and corruption and perversion and immorality and homosexuality. It was widespread and rampant. And it says that God destroyed those cities and the surrounding cities with fire and brimstone. It says in, in, in Peter, it says that the reason why God did that was to be an example to those who would live immorally and ungodly afterwards like that. It was a warning to them to repent. And so it is in this time. It's no secret of the immorality and the perversion that's in this world today of all kinds, of molestations, of homosexuality. We all see it. It's in our society. Those who, those who don't agree with it are considered to be, be weird. Our society has bought into this, but we don't buy into it. But it's a sign of Jesus' coming. It's the days of Lot and Noah. And it says that in the days of Noah, that he moved with godly fear to the preparing, to the saving of his household. And that's a message to us. That in this time, we should be moving with godly fear. Encouraging one another. Warning one another. Teaching one another. Teaching our children. Guiding them. Taking the time to do what we're supposed to do. Jesus said to watch. Because we don't know the hour which he's coming. But know this, verse 43, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore, you also be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you don't expect. So not only did He tell us to watch, but He says to prepare. 
So from there we're going to go to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 21. Which is a parallel passage. Verse 34. Take heed to yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with carousing, or, or dissipation, which means overindulgence, drunkenness, and the cares of this life, and that they come on you unexpectedly. For it will come as a snare on all those who dwell on the face of the earth. Watch therefore and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass, and to stand before the Son of Man. We hear Jesus' voice in the things he is saying. We're talking about, my sheep hear my voice, Jesus said in John 10 in communion meditation. We hear Jesus' voice in what he's saying here. And it's a message to us in our time. He says to take heed to ourselves. This is another instruction that he's given us. To, to take heed to ourselves. Not just to watch for his coming, but watch ourselves. And take heed. Take, take a, our inventory of ourselves. Look at ourselves. There should be great sobriety amongst us as, as the children of God in this time. Because this is a very challenging time. It is a time of sobriety. And to support one another. And to be there for one another. And to pray for one another. He talks about our hearts being down with overindulgence. Drunkenness and the cares of this life. You know, Jesus mentions these things in the parable of the sower and the soil. He referred to all this stuff as the thorns. The stuff that would creep up and choke the word so that we're unfruitful. And he warns us in that, and he warns us here. That we should be preparing for his coming, coming and not be caught up in the affairs of this life. And the affairs of, these, of this life are not always things that are sinful. Just being too busy and just too caught up in business and, you know, entertainment and all kinds of things that take up our time and attention and divert us from the leading of the Holy Spirit. From preparing ourselves, from being sober, for being watchful. And so this would be in our thinking on a daily basis.
Jesus said that the, the coming of the Son of Man shall be like the master who goes away into a far country and gives his servants charge of what they should do. And after a long time, he comes back. And he makes his servants give account of themselves. That's what the message is to us. His servants, his children, his brothers and sisters, the church. That he went away, but he'll return. And we'll have to give account of ourselves. And so we should prepare ourselves for that day. And we should live our lives with that in view. That we're not always going to, it's not always going to be the way it is right now. The life isn't just going to go on day after day after day like this. And we shouldn't think of life that way. We are, as the Lord's servants, we are the Lord's servants. And He's given each of us charge of how we should live. And that we should be preparing. And we should be looking for His coming. It says He's coming for all those who love His appearing. Well, we're not look, going to be looking and loving His appearing if we're caught up in the affairs of this life. That doesn't mean we don't have to conduct business in this life. That doesn't mean we don't have to, that we don't have any duties or responsibilities in this life. But you see the need for simplicity in our lives. And for flexibility. That our lives should be open for divine interruptions. God brings somebody to our door, we're not too busy. There's fellowship time, we're not too busy. Because we can be busy, 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 caught up with the affairs of this life. Beyond what's necessary. And the word I want to underline in there is necessary. And needs. Because we can get caught up beyond that. The desires. The desires of this life. That's beyond what's necessary. And it becomes like dead weight. An extra burden to carry around that hinders us from walking the way we should. And he says that we should pray always. That we should be accounted worthy. To escape all these things, what things? These judgments that are coming. And to stand before him. Because judgment is coming to the world and to the church, to Christendom. As Peter says, and it is now time that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it begins first with us, what shall be the end of the ungodly and the sinner? It begins with the church. And that's why the call is to the church. Watch and pray. That when Jesus comes, you're ready. The voice of Jesus. My sheep hear my voice. Our master has gone away to a far country. He's gone back to the, the throne. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. But from there he's going to come again. But in the meantime, he's given us his spirit to guide and to teach us and to lead us. 
so that we're not left behind like orphans. He's here with us, and He's living in us if we're in Christ. But the question is, are we preparing? Have we been living our life preparing and looking for the coming of Jesus? Because, you know, the affairs of this life can really be a a distraction and we forget and we lose that edge. And so Jesus here is stirring that up in us. The Spirit of God stirring this up as you read the words of Jesus. Be ready. For you do not know the hour in which He's coming. You do not know when your Lord is coming. He says it's going to come like a snare on the whole earth. He said it would be a time of great trouble. That if He didn't stop those days, He said, no one would survive. And in this time of weapons of mass destruction, now there is the potential that there wasn't in the time of Jesus. For such powerful weapons and such technology that you could destroy civilization and everyone. And Jesus said it's not going to happen. For the sake of his elect, those days will be shortened, he says. For the children of God, for that sake, it's not going to happen. But if he didn't stop those days, it will happen. It would happen. Jesus said that the wickedness would be so bad that the love of many would grow cold. That they would bite and devour each other and betray one another. Is he talking about in Christendom? Maybe. The love of many growing cold. Jesus said that, and Paul said, that there would be a great falling away, a great apostasy, before the revealing of the Antichrist and the coming of Jesus. So these are all great warnings to us to prepare, to be sober, to be watchful or vigilant. That means to be on guard. Be sober and vigilant. For the enemy, the devil, wanders about like a roaring lion, seeking who he may devour, who resists steadfast in the faith. In Revelation chapter 12, Seven. And war broke out in heaven, and Michael and his angels fought with the dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought, but they did not prevail, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. 
He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and power of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren, who accused them before our God day and night, has been cast down. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who live in them, and woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea, for the devil has come down to you having great wrath, because he knows that he has a short time. And in verse 17, And the dragon was enraged with the woman, and he went to make war with the rest of her offspring, who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. The war against the saints. This is a, a war that we're warned about in Ephesians chapter 6. We struggle not against flesh and blood, but against spirits and principalities and spiritual wickedness in high places. Satan is enraged and is making war against the saints. And in this time that we read about here in the book of Revelation, that he goes to make war against the saints, and he accuses us before God day and night. But we stand firm on the blood of Jesus. It says we can overcome Satan by the blood of Jesus and the word of our testimony. And not to love our lives. Jesus said, he who loves his life will lose it. But he who loses his life in this world will love it. I mean, will, will save it. So they overcame him by the blood of Jesus. The blood of the Lamb. And finally, you go to Second Peter chapter 3. Second Peter three three. Knowing this first that scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lusts and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. We hear that scoffing in the world, but I dare to say that I've also heard that scoffing in Christendom too, amongst those who profess Christ. Oh yeah, I've been hearing that so since I was a kid, and yeah, Jesus is coming and everything. That kind of a retiring attitude is exactly what Jesus is warning about. That lack of sobriety, that dismissive attitude 
towards the coming of Jesus. That careless attitude. Jesus gave the parable of the wise virgins and the foolish virgins. They prepared for the coming of the bridegroom. Five were prepared. They had oil for their lamps. Five weren't prepared. And when the bridegroom came, they weren't prepared. They couldn't. They had to go out and buy oil for the lamp. It came at midnight. They weren't prepared. It was too late for them. By the time they were prepared, the doors were locked. And the bridegroom said, I don't know where you're from. So the time is now to prepare, is the message. Not when Jesus returns, but now. To prepare for His coming. The scoffers say, ah, oh, you know, that was promised 2,000 years ago, and people thought He was going to come then, and He didn't come. 1,000 A.D., a bunch of people in France, they sold everything they had, and they went up into the mountains and waited for Jesus' coming, and of course, He didn't come. And in our times, we had a preacher from California predict Jesus is coming three different times. And all three times, he didn't come. And finally, he apologized to the church. He was on radio, he had his own radio station, Christian radio station. And he finally, long last, apologized to Christians for his false predictions. I'm not sure people don't understand when Jesus says no one shall know that day or hour why people still make those predictions. Because we don't know the day or hour. But Jesus said there will be certain signs that would lead us to believe that we're in a general time period of His return. In verse 8, but beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord a day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some think. Slack. But is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That's the answer as to why Jesus hasn't come yet. It's His patience. He's, he's giving people a chance. He's giving them an opportunity to be saved and to come to repentance. Until all, all the sheep have come into the pen. And then the end will come. Verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens will pass away with great noise and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Everything here is going to be burned up. So why should we store treasures here in the earth? Verse 11. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godly living? And that's the message again. How shall we live seeing that the Lord is coming and all this stuff here is temporary? 
Why should we spend time in the things of this life and overindulgence and over overdoing it and stockpile? Store our treasures in heaven, Jesus said. Fear not, little flock. It is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell what you have and give to the poor. Give alms. You have great treasure in heaven. There's the investment. Investing in the kingdom of God. Investing not only of our resources, but of our time and our energy. Laying down our lives. Giving of ourselves like Jesus did. Looking for and hastening to the coming of the day of God. Looking for the day of Jesus. For living our lives according to that. Jesus is coming one day. Let me be prepared. It might be today. That should be in our daily thinking. Not just in a once in a while kind of thing. It should be sharp in our minds that our Master, our Lord is coming. And I'm preparing for the Lord's coming. I'm preparing for that day I'm going to see Him face to face. What manner of persons ought we to be in all godliness and all manner of living, seeing that these things are going to happen. I remember when I was a kid, I was sitting in church, and every week we had this saying that we said right before communion, the confession of our faith. Christ has died, Christ is living, and Christ will come again. And that last one kind of stuck, because I, I knew the first two as a kid, but that last one, Christ will come again. When I got him, I asked my parents, I said, Christ will come again. Jesus come. What's that mean? I said, oh, that's at the end of the world. Don't worry about it. It's a long time coming. <laughs> and it was kind of like that attitude they had. Ah, oh, that's way in the future. Yeah. People have been saying that for a long time. Don't worry about it. God forbid that we should have that attitude today. God forbid. He will come like a thief in the night. What kind of people should we be living like in all godliness, in all manner of living? Looking for the day of His coming. Do we think about the day of Jesus coming every day? I'll tell you that many don't. Verse 14, Therefore, brothers, looking forward to these things, be diligent to be found by Him in peace, without spot and blameless. Don't be playing with sin. Don't be making excuses for secret indulgences. I know opportunity is everywhere for that. Don't do it. Great sobriety is what he's calling for. Great seriousness. Without spot and blameless. Be at peace with the Lord. Are we at peace with God today? Is there anything between us and God? With our Lord? Today is the day to get right with our Father. If we're not. To confess our sins and forsake them. If we're holding on to secret sins or even open sins. If we're walking in an unloving way. If we're being harsh. If we're being dishonest. 
for making excuses for the wrong we're doing. Today is the day to stop and to own it before God and to repent. Today is the day. Not tomorrow, today. Because we don't know the day that our Lord might come. It might be today. might be before the meeting's over. That's the wrong attitude. That's exactly the attitude that Jesus warned us against, warned us about. That, re, that, that dismissive attitude. Oh, it's not going to happen today. Really? Well, maybe, but maybe not. And as every day goes by, that shouldn't be a reassurance that He's not coming. The reassurance that we're one day closer to His coming. Every day that passes that He hasn't come, we're one day closer to that day that's on God's calendar. He knows what day it is. We don't. And let us prepare for His coming with great sobriety. Finally, Jesus said there would be false prophets, false teachings, deceptions of all kinds, false Christ. But it's now more than ever, we need to draw close to God and to listen to the voice of our God, listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. And follow, as Jesus said, my sheep follow me, and another voice they will not follow. The voice of a stranger they won't follow. Because there's a lot of voices in the world today. In the world, and in Christendom. But there's only one voice that we should be listening to. And that's the voice of the shepherd. That's what I have today. At the end I'm going to Turn it over to you. So any brothers that came through that that want to share anything? Yeah, what we heard today uh, makes you think, doesn't it? It makes you ask yourself, how much do I really love Jesus? And, and have I heard his voice today? And what is it saying to my heart? Um, we have no continuing city here, it says. But we look for one to come. Amen. That's uh, what we should be occupied with. Not with what's going to perish, but what's going to remain. And uh, I'm thankful for this word that we could hear. And... Um, Yeah, there's so much went through my mind as I was listening. There's so much uh, that has been covered. And um, there are some things that especially caught my attention. Uh, now, what was that in Luke? That you read there, uh, uh, Luke 21? 21. I think it was there. 
Luke 21. It says, and Ron mentioned about this, to watch. Watch ye therefore, in verse 36, and pray always that ye may be accounted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. Uh, it just hit me like uh, Noah escaped what happened in the flood to the rest of the people. Lot escaped by leaving Sodom by obeying what God told him. Now what are we expecting to escape? That's my question. Escape all these things and stand before the Son of Man. There are some people who believe that there will be a rapture take place. Do you believe that? I don't know whether yeah, everybody here believes that or not. Yeah, I was going to say something like, you know, like Jesus is going to come back and these people all gathered together and they look up in the sky, thinks he's going to come down and have the sky. But I don't, I don't think I believe that, but, but I don't know. Well, there's something going to happen that uh, is going to The Bible is a directly. There's going to be an event that's going to take place that will just be for Jesus' children, for God's children who are ready. They are going to escape something, aren't they? Oh, yeah, we know that. So this, what we're going to escape is what happens afterwards. So I want to be ready. What's important is to be ready. That's yeah. the point. The point is is to uh, watch. And what am I to watch? I'm to watch my words. I'm to watch my attitude. I'm to watch all my behavior and all my affections and desires and what I'm occupied with. Am I occupied with Jesus and his coming? Am I occupied with that or am I once in a while think about it? I think it's it's very important. Uh, Paul, uh, Ron talked about sobriety. That's sobriety to be consciously thinking about my Lord who is coming and to receive His own those who are ready. I don't want to be left behind, and I don't think anyone here wants to be left behind. But then there are some qualifications to meet. And that is to spend my time watching and preparing. Like was mentioned about the ten virgins. There were five who were wise, five who were foolish. They wasted their opportunities to prepare. The five wise prepared. When God spoke to their heart, you shouldn't be thinking about that or this type of uh, way of Living is not good. Uh, there's things about you that need to be cleansed. Judgment is beginning at the house of God, as we heard. My, my life is to be a life of 
constant transformation and cleansing and development taking place to become Christ-like. The foolish were not occupied with that. So they had no oil. They had nothing to keep the light burning. So when the time of midnight came, they were not ready when Jesus came. So I am very, very thankful. Now, you know, the Christians all over the place there, uh, you know, they differ about what this means of escaping what's going to come. Escape all those things. But only those who are preparing and ready are the ones who are going to escape. It doesn't matter how smart we are or how well we read our Bible, but how well we have used what God gave us to prepare. So I want to read in Peter, 2 Peter chapter 1. It's a wonderful scripture. Of what it, I think I think the wise were the ones who did what is written here. Second Peter. <clears throat> I want to start reading in verse two, and go on down uh, to the completeness of what he is putting forth here. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of. Jesus our Lord, according as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue. That's what we're called to, glory and virtue. Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these, that is, by the glory and virtue, we might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. We know the scripture in John that says, uh, uh, not to love the world, which is the lust of the flesh, and the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. All these three things are lusts. Pride of life has lusts. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and pride of life. So besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and brotherly kindness charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. There's a lot of people who just rely on the fact that they've been purged from their old sins. And that's going to make them ready when Jesus comes. No, it's not going to. It's not going to suffice. 
it's clear that by this scripture that that's not going to suffice. So, um, wherefore the rather brethren give diligence. We know what diligence means, right? It's not lukewarmness and sluggishness and, well, once in a while I'll, I'll think about it or, you know, too busy, too busy with other things to really get, be diligent in this matter. Diligent to make your calling and election sure. For if ye do these things, ye shall never fall. That's a promise. That's a promise of God. For each one of us, we shall never fall if we do these things. If we're diligent to do them. Why do so many people fall? Because they're not diligent. They're not occupied with their what God has promised us as an inheritance. And then we become lukewarm and God doesn't, Christ doesn't want lukewarm people. He'll spew them out of his mouth. So I, I'm thankful for the exhortations and warnings and things we heard this morning. I heard the shepherd's voice. That's He's calling us to a holy life. Use the time while you have opportunity. Walk while you have the light is written. Lest darkness come upon you. So this is this is light that is shining here today. And I praise God for it. Amen. Amen.